As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. Special edition today, I am, of course, Nick Bumberter, joined by Brendan Quinn, and we are also joined by Austin Meek, uh, Michigan beat writer here. Of course, Austin and I had the former RPM podcast. Before we get into today's topic, Brendan, how are we doing? Hanging in? Um, I'm excellent. How are you? Doing well. Austin, how are you? Good. I feel like I'm kind of the bearer of the bad news on this podcast. <laughs> Every this time is... I'm on, it's like... Yeah, most, we'll, uh, have to, we'll have to fix yeah. that one of these times. But today we do have uh, the Wilmer Hale report on Robert Anderson and uh, the University of Michigan investigation into Robert Anderson, I should say. Uh, Austin came out, uh, was it this week, I believe, earlier this week, Monday? Tuesday, I believe the report came out, yeah. Monday, yeah, so earlier this week, and that was a long-awaited report, um, you know, something that Austin's been following, you know, and written about quite a bit uh, extensively over the last year. I wrote about it a little bit a year ago, but it's, you know, if you're familiar with the case, uh, you know, in the story, you sort of know the framework of it. But this report, Austin, was something that uh, Michigan had, I guess, walk us through what this investigation was. Yeah. Can uh, we call time out here, boys? Yeah. So for anyone listening along, if you're like in a car with kids, this probably isn't oh, like yeah, great content uh, yeah. for that situation. So uh, it's obviously a he- pretty heavy topic. So I assume anyone listening knows that, but we should probably. Uh, right. So. Yeah, good point. So, but anyway, Austin, could you get into uh, what this was and sort of explain to people, because we talked about this before we started the show, that, you know, what this investigation is, what it isn't, and and sort of what it means going forward here. Yeah, so obviously this is a, a, you know, a hugely complicated and and hugely sensitive story. And I think people have varying levels of awareness and familiarity with all the details of it. Uh, it you know it's a it's a tough story to get your arms around in terms of this doctor who worked at Michigan mm-hmm. for 37 years was the director of the University Health Service on campus and was also a team physician who was very trusted by a lot of people in the athletic department including Bo Schembechler, uh, 
Dr. Robert Anderson was really a fixture around Michigan sports throughout his his career. He was the one who implemented a, a program for athletes to get annual physicals, which became an avenue for him to abuse literally hundreds of Michigan athletes. It's just mm-hmm. a horrible story. Uh, and in the wake of of these allegations coming out, just in in the last couple years, would you know that alone is is one of the really stunning parts of this that. For four decades, Robert Anderson was abusing patients at Michigan. There were rumors of it. There were reports. But really, at no time during Robert Anderson's lifetime were these allegations aired publicly until after his death, just within the last couple of years, the story began to come out and then just the right. floodgates opened of, of former patients and former athletes telling their stories of, of abuse at the hands of this doctor. So as all this began to came, come out, then the university is in the position of saying, okay, you know, where, where do we go now? And one of the things that happened was the university commissioned this law firm, Wilmer Hale, to conduct this investigation and to produce this report into what happened with Robert Anderson. How did it happen? Uh, how did it go unchecked? And what can the university do to make sure this never happens again? And so this report is one part of a much wider process in terms of mm-hmm. how the university and the survivors of, of Robert Anderson are attempting to move forward. Uh, the report does shed some light on some things. I don't think it's like the definitive account of what happened right. or the final word, but it is a piece of the puzzle in trying to understand what happened here to allow this doctor to abuse these patients over such a long period of time. And before we get too deeper here, I want to clarify for those who don't or aren't familiar or understand, you know, the report Austin's talking about the Wilmer Hale report was one that was commissioned by Michigan. And Wilmer Hale did not have the right to force people to talk, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Austin, there were several people in this story that were that you would think would be critical voices on this that did not speak with Wilmer Hale, that chose not to be interviewed. Um, and when you and you know when we say we're not sure if this is the last word on this, I think it's important to note that as well, and that you know possibly, uh, you know not possibly, absolutely, it, it seems anyway that you know a number of survivors also maybe didn't speak with the investigative group here. Uh, you know, several lawsuits separately, I suppose, are still going forward. Yeah, that's certainly a criticism or a limitation of the report is that this investigation was happening concurrently with. Right. The litigation that is also happening, and the university is currently in mediation with uh, survivors of Robert Anderson, those who have filed lawsuits. I mean, it's it's a huge group of uh, former patients and former athletes who are involved in this litigation, and many of them were advised by their attorneys not to participate in the Wilmer Hale investigation. And there's some kind of you know in the weeds legal detail about how those two things sort of interacted. The Wilmer Hale investigation on the one side, which is commissioned by the university, and the litigation process on the other side. Uh, But I I think the thing to take away from it is that there were really some limitations in terms of what Wilmer Hale was able to do. They had great access, I believe, to documentation in the university archives, and they did interview, (laughs) I believe they said they interviewed around 300 former patients uh, and around 200 uh, current former employees at Michigan. So, it was, you know, it was a, a wide pool of people that Wilmer Hale talked to, but it certainly was not, uh, you know, comprehensive in terms of everybody. And 
a lot of the people who I think would have the most critical perspectives on what happened were not part of this report. And I just think that's that's good context yeah. to know going into it. Yeah, I mean, the it's really one of like the parts of the whole story that, you know, when we read it and like guys of our age um, who have kind of still have a little bit of an idea of like, you know, how like what that old school generation yeah, sure. was like, you know what I mean? Um, in terms of just like, you know, versus you know, a 20 year old now, like uh, you can almost just see people like at that time, just kind of. You know, given that wink and a look like, I don't know, you know, it's yeah, there's weird stuff there, but we don't talk about that here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got like, you know, big obviously like Catholic Church vibes and all that, all these layers of just like, man, it was just a different time, a different era. But, you know, you don't also get to wipe stuff away behind the idea of, oh, that was a different time. Because like at the end of the day, man, like the most powerful people are the most powerful people and they knew what's right and wrong. And uh, this this idea that you're talking about of like wanting the satisfaction of knowing who knew what and having it like very much in black and white and clearly stated, like, I don't think that's going to come at any point, but common sense can also tell you probably what was what. Yeah, there's certainly a culture at that time just of not not talking about these things, especially in the context of a college football team, you know, I, I mean, there, right. there were jokes, you know, it w- there were rumors, but in terms of really having serious conversations about that stuff, uh, no, I, I think there was a huge taboo about that. You know, at the same right. time, there are people, and you see it in the report, though, who, who say this is not right. You know, there right. are people yeah. who yep. recognized yep. at that time, even in 1979, that something was not right with this doctor and people who were saying that and recognizing it. And I think the big question that I'm left with is why did that not lead to more aggressive action uh, to investigate Robert Anderson? Why, why were the people who were saying something isn't right here? Why were those voices not, not heard at the time? I completely agree. When this first started, you know, and we, it first came to light and we were being, you know, told about it and people talking to us about it and things like that before the lawsuits had even come in, you know, a lot of the reactions Austin that we got from people I remember at the time was, you know, Hey, that's what it was like back then. You didn't talk about this stuff. It was like Brennan was saying, but I completely, I mean, I remember that day in July when like, um, I think 30 lawsuits got filed or something like that, or 25 or whatever it was. There was so many of them that came in on one day and I went through every one of them. I read all of them. And I'm just like, how are these, these every single one of those had an instance of someone making a complaint to someone, you know what I mean? It wasn't always one person. It was whether it would be an administrator here or, you know, a different sport coach or whatever. There was always something somewhere in there where someone would say I was not comfortable and they were told, forget it, deal with it basically. Mm -hmm. And they were told to move on. And that's the thing that, very quickly in this, like Austin says, it becomes very clear that this was a colossal failure on every level because mm-hmm. there were people that were bringing this to people's attention, uh, you know, and to Bo Schimbeckler's attention, to other athletic coaches. And that's the thing that just nobody can ever at this point, you know, walk away from. I mean, that is what it is. I mean, it was a massive, massive, massive failure that 
yeah, I don't know what the final resolution on this will be or, or, or what the outcome is. I, 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 I don't know if it will end anytime soon either. I, I wonder how much more, because again, we, we talked to those guys, uh, some of the people earlier uh, in that. And it was, uh, I remember there was one gentleman who, um, a survivor that was in the military. He'd gotten a physical, I think it was, or at a Ford plant or something like that to go in the military. And Robert Anderson gave him his physical. So the scope of it could be beyond what we even realize. I think that's, that's the thing that always kind of comes back and hits me in the face. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I think you know. Certainly, there you could you could make the case that well, you know, there were rumors, there was speculation, there was innuendo, but how much of that was really actionable? But yeah. that's why I go back to that period in the late seventies where it, it goes beyond just rumor and innuendo, and it it becomes more concrete complaints being made. You know, there's an employee right. of Michigan's Human Sexuality Office who advocates for, for gay men, which w- was one of the groups that Robert Anderson right. targeted. Yeah. And so the, the employee of the Human Sexuality Office uh, makes a complaint to Tom Easthope, relays to Tom Easthope that something is not right with the way Robert Anderson is interacting with his patients. And then you also have a couple employees of, of the University Counseling Services Office who have a conversation with Tom Easthope and, and relay that they've talked to patients who have concerns about Robert Anderson. So now we're, you know, we're getting into mm-hmm. the, the territory of you know, really concrete complaints about, about this doctor. And, and, you know, and there's action taken. He resigns from his position as director of the university yeah. health service shortly after these complaints are made. So there's a, you know, right. there's a record there of complaints and consequences. And I, the thing that I just go back to is um, it's not like nobody knew because there, there was an action taken. Yeah. It just was not sufficient to actually stop him, which is that I think the part that kind of haunts you when you look at the story. Yeah. It's kind of like the, at the end of the day, they were proactive in enabling him for two more decades by being ultimately insufficient in their action when mm-hmm. push came yeah. to shove. Right. Um, and so like, I feel like this is all like a good kind of broad base of picture of, all right, this is kind of where things stand right now. Um, and in terms of kind of looking at what's going to happen here, right. Like on one side of things, uh, I I wonder if people get a little bit too distracted with the whole conversation about taking names off of buildings or taking down statues where, but like, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, I understand why that's important, but like in terms of the university itself, like that's also a sliver of what's on the plate yeah. here right now. <laughs> yeah. Right? In terms of so. what, yeah. what, what's, what's coming. Right. right. And, and, and that's, it, you know, both in 
the litigious side of things and, mm-hmm. um, you know, having to uh, be held accountable yeah. here. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with John Vaughn, former Michigan running back, when I wrote the original story. And we talked about that. And, and he said, you know, as a survivor of Robert Anderson, he didn't care about the statues. That wasn't what it was about to him. Like it wouldn't bring him satisfaction to see the Bo Beckler statue taken down. He doesn't care. Like the, I, I think the thing that motivated him was he really wanted to see concrete evidence that this type of thing could never happen again. And that right. the university was taking it seriously and really interested in getting to the truth of what happened and really interested in making concrete steps uh, to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. And I think, you know, I, I, in terms of where it goes from here, obviously there is the legal process and there is the mediation that is ongoing. You, you know, I, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with what has gone on at USC, but there's a similar situation at, at USC right now with a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And there was just recently a settlement um and that, I think that that's kind of a template for the types of things that are are being talked about here. They've been in mediation. Didn't that settlement start with a start it with was, a B? It was a very no. yeah. It's it's we're yeah. talking big numbers on on these right. things. Um, I think that there's a sense of probably frustration that mediation has been going on for a while, and yeah. nobody gets the sense from the people I've talked to. Nobody has the sense that that they're real close. Now, sometimes it goes a long time where they're a long ways away and then all of a sudden they've got a deal. But I think that there is kind of a growing sense of frustration that, you know, at some point Michigan's going to have to kind of, you know, own what happened here uh, and, you know, somehow, you know, do what it can to make it right. I mean, there's nothing you can do to take away the, the pain and the trauma that, that these people yeah. have experienced. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. survivors won't get their day in court with Robert Anderson the way that, you know, I mean, yeah. if you look up, you know, at the Larry Nasser situation, right? right? Larry Nasser was live mm-hmm. or alive. He had to face his survivors in court. Mm-hmm. They won't, you know, these people won't get that. They won't get that. So in terms of that, you know, when they talk, when you talk to people who've gone through these things, a lot of the conversations or people that try to help these people, you know, surrounds closure and surrounds like, you know, something and they're not going to have that opportunity to face him. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when we talk about what happens next, I think the first thing that would happen next would be, is they're going to write a check? Michigan would be for a lot of money. And it would be, I would think that it also, I would, I don't know if you've been given a, an estimate on how much, on how high this would go, but I would think that the the, the figure you just referenced earlier would be probably somewhere in the ballpark. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, the scope of it, that was the thing I didn't, I, I was having a hard time with, six, seven months ago was, you know, how, how big does this go? And do they even have their really their arms around it? And I'm not even sure if this is something where, you know, things kind of come out over time. I don't know. I could still keep spilling out. I don't know. Austin, I'm curious. So on the point that you made about, you know, there being kind of some growing frustration about what the timeline has been and what it might look like moving forward. I, I was kind of under the impression that there was no chance of anything happening until this report came out. Like, the university wasn't going to make any kind of settlement until its own report was done and put right. forward. I mean, and I think that probably makes yeah. sense too. So, but I'll be curious to see how quickly things move from here, if if quickly at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of the frustration was the Wilmer Hale report was supposed to come out in October, 
And there was a period there where the judge ordered Wilmer Hale to stop because there were some concerns about Wilmer Hale interfering with, uh, with the lawsuits. So there was, there was a pause in there and then Wilmer Hale resumed. And then there was also COVID going on. So, you know, Wilmer Hale ended up getting delayed and, you know, I, I was talking to people who were like, yeah, the Wilmer Hale thing is just like a black box. Like nobody knows when it's going to come out or what's going on with it. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, it, I think you're right, Brendan, that maybe part of the reason why Michigan, um, you know, why the mediation has, has been dragging out is that the Wilmer Hale investigation was also dragging out. And, and maybe it is, you know, something where now that the report is out that, um, you know, opens things up for the mediation to, uh, to be more productive. Um, but I have a feeling that, you know, from the perspective of, of the survivors who, whose interest really is, we want the full story told. Uh, we want to get as close to the truth as possible. I'm not sure that the Wilmer Hale report, given its limitations, is going to be seen as, okay, now we have the full story. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're there yet. And I think that, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and it was like, I think people are still digest or still trying to process this. Um, You know, I've had people ask, ask about, I'm sure Austin, you have too, like your opinion of what do you think they should do with the name and the statue? Like, do you think they should take Jim Beckler's name off the building? And do you think they should take the statue down? And And my answer to that is like, that's, my opinion on that is pretty much irrelevant. That's going to be a university mm-hmm. decision and your shareholders and supporters and everything else will be the people who voice that. And you, Michigan, they will have to uh, broach that topic. Okay. Like that, that is going to be something I think they'll probably have to address at some point before all this is done. But I think the larger thing here to remember is like, I don't think that this is done. Like, I don't, I don't know that we know everything. And until we know everything, it's going to be really difficult to sort of make a, what should they do? Like, what should Michigan do with, number one, I guess the, the easiest answer would be like, no more statues. Nobody else gets a statue. You're not naming, you know, I mean, like your, your heroes and these, in the hero culture that we've talked about for years and years back in the eighties. Like, I do think that a lot of institutions have started to finally started to take some steps toward eradicating some of that. But like, I, I got to tell you guys, I question it. There are days where I'm like, I don't think it's enough. I I don't think it's enough because I, I feel like there are days where we see things, you know, you guys have covered beats forever. Things pop up and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't need to be, you know, it should be better. And I think that situations like this, um, they need to play out. And I don't think that, I don't think this is finished yet. I think that's the thing to be, uh, to probably remember here. I mean, from, from the university perspective, Look, I mean, I, I know it's easy for us to sit here and be like, yeah, you, you know, whatever the size of the check is, you write the check, yeah, right? Right. But like from the university side of things or the place with the resources of Michigan, like, man, and I understand that I'm not in any way an expert on how these things work on at the legal level. But man, <laughs> yeah, right. if it's me, I am. What's the number? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> write the check. I mean, because like this thing, it, it, if – if it's a difference of uh, you know two hundred million dollars versus two more years of I don't get the sense that that's in the news and you yeah. and I, you put that number forward. I mean, Austin would Austin would know better than I, but my sense has not been that they're fighting them on that no, on it. No, I don't but think I, I, I like, but again, I would ask Austin that. I mean, what is what is your sense on Michigan's end of this and, and how that whole process is going? Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think 
you can interpret any of of Michigan's actions as uh you know just coming to the table and saying whatever you know whatever yeah. whatever you want i mean you know michigan has they're not doing yeah, that michigan yeah, right. is, you know <laughs> michigan is doing what institutions do which is right. to you know certainly publicly express it you know it's it's support for the survivors uh but it's it's still a legal process and mm-hmm. there's attorneys involved insurance companies involved it's a you know it's just a very a very complicated process and you know i i think that a lot of it is going to come down to and you know i i don't know the the larry nasser situation as as well because you know mm-hmm. I, I just i wasn't here for that and haven't studied it as deeply but i i believe that a part of that was nick kind of like you were talking about before yeah um you know there was a point where people had to decide um to accept, you know, settlement or to, you know, push for more, uh, you know, That's push right. for mm-hmm. a more public reckoning on what happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I think that that's sort of the same track here is, you know, there's going to be a point where people have to decide what, you know, what is the greatest value to them? And is is there a value in having a more a more public, uh, you know, real, um, you know, a, public process of really trying to get down to the truth of this or is there a point where you say you know we've gone as far as as we can we can go on this um and we just have to sort of accept that there are things that we won't know about it yeah 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 like a- any response that like kind of exists in the gray it, it, you know you're opening yourself up for um you know the escalation of things in terms of publicity wise in terms of you know oh sure yeah attention and um like on the building stuff right like you, they need to address this and be really clear in terms of like you know the accountability and then the action of what you're willing to do um because guess what man like that football season starts August. Yeah. We've all been around situations like this. If that statue's up, that name's on the building, whatever, like there will be demonstrations. There will, be, this will be right. Oh yeah. No, I mean, this doesn't go away. Is, and I don't is, think it's going to just like, like, I don't think they anticipate it will go away, but yeah, no, I mean, they can't kick the can down the road forever. And Michigan does. That's what I get. That's what I'm Michigan, trying to say. Michigan right. does get into these situations where they like to do that. And, you know, and, and like Austin said, that's, that's not just a Michigan thing. That's an institution thing. Like I, there was a great quote in the uh, story that Austin wrote um, from back in the winter about, I uh, forget who gave it, but it was like the quote was what Austin just said. They, Michigan did what institutions do. They protected their institution back in the mm-hmm. day with Robert Anderson. And now as you go forward, like, look, I mean, well, what's the alternative, right? When we were talking to attorneys a year ago, you know, when their whole thing was, why don't they just let us come in there and get subpoena power and interview anybody we want? And you were like, well, you obviously know they're not going to let you just do whatever you, right? So like, they're still in many ways protecting a lot of their own interests with this as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be an, an interesting line to walk, but I don't I don't sense that, sense that they're like trying to stand in the way 
of restitution. I do believe that, you know, I think that that got choppy with the Michigan state stuff, you know, with, with Engler and everything. I don't think you'll see that in this situation here, but um, no. Yeah. I mean, like the, you're right in that, you know, it's been addressed, but it hasn't been addressed. Right. Like it's been this weird, right. you know, in between. Type yeah. thing. Austin, can you kind of give us a portrait of the survivors and, and how they're um, both functioning as a group and as individuals, right? Like, cause when we talk about these lump sum figures versus, you know, people having their own desires of, <clears throat> of what the university, you know, being held accountable looks right. like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be dollar yeah. figures, right? Like there's these, the guys that you've dealt with, um, the individuals that you've dealt with, um, can you kind of just, ha- you know, these are grown adults now who are dealing with something that's 30 years in their past, but is now very much kind of on the forefront of everything. It's got to be, you know, mentally exhausting to for the for these people to have to be doing all of this. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think probably the thing I would say is every single person, uh, you know, the hundreds of people who are involved in this, they all have a slightly different experience. They all have a unique experience, mm-hmm. and uh, they all had you know different degrees of of trauma and some have had you know really uh, significant personal consequences from this i mean everybody's affected by it in in some way but also everybody's affected by it a little bit differently and comes to it with a different circumstance so you think about somebody like chuck christian who played football at michigan in the 80s was abused by robert anderson and essentially had a phobia of going to doctors after that and ended up being diagnosed with advanced stage prostate cancer that they may have been able to catch earlier if he had a you know, greater degree of comfort with doctors. And it's just a heartbreaking story. And, mm-hmm. you know, now for him, you know, that his situation is different than John Vaughn's situation. You know, John, uh, I've, I've talked to a lot and, um, you know, played at Michigan in the, in the eighties, um, did, you know, knew that something wasn't right with Robert Anderson, but didn't really connect it as, uh, as abuse until later in his life. And then the stories start to come out and just all of these pieces start fitting together for him. Um, and, you know, he was one of the first pers- first people, first former football players who, you know, really kind of you know, put his name out there and, and spoke openly yeah. about his experiences and, and felt like, you know, this is something, even though it's a hard thing to do, uh, to sort of publicly come out and talk about, you know, in a way, there's still this kind of code of silence. You know, if you played football yeah. at Michigan, keep it in the locker room, keep it in the team. You know, don't, right. don't say anything publicly that's going to put the program in a bad light. You know, he's had to fight against all of those things, and I, it, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. And I have a really, you know, a lot of respect for somebody who you know is willing to do that. Um, so it's just you know, every person has a different, you know, a, a different personal experience and a different way that they approach it. Uh, and I think that that's going to play into how how this ultimately is resolved is, um, you know, there are some people who may feel like, you know, may feel ready to put this in the past and move on from it. And there are some people who, who may not be ready to do that. And I think that that's sort of, you know, that's where it's going to be in terms of how it goes forward, um, figuring out like who's ready to kind of leave this in the past and are there people who still feel like they need to keep going with it and that's going to determine sort of where we go from here right 
I also want to ask this, Austin, and I know it's going to be impossible to answer, but like in your sense anyway, from talking to some of these folks, because you mentioned John, you mentioned Chuck Christian, uh, we haven't really seen a lot of, and I wondered about this when we saw some of this come out earlier. I, I haven't seen, you know, former, you know, the Michigan football family, as we know it, the, the patriarch or founder of it was Bo Schimbeckler and all of the players and guys who, you know, played there are part of that family and they all, you know, have a brotherhood and bond and everything else. But like, I wondered if we'd see people come out angrily fighting against this or saying, you know, people are lying or what have you. And I, I don't think we've seen any of that publicly. You never know what happens privately, but is the sense that, you know, the family here being the, the former players, you know, the guys who played with the John Vaughns and Chuck Christians, some of these other folks, you know, is the sense that the, the former players are offering support here or are they staying back? I, you know, like I, from what I've seen, it seems like people are trying to support each other and saying yes. like, Hey, if something happened, like, I don't care who, you know, I don't care if Bo knew or not, you got to say something mm -hmm. like I, that seemed to be the case pretty early here, which I thought was refreshing, but I didn't, you know, you never know what goes on behind the scenes. So I, I wondered if you. Yeah. I remember so. when I talked to Chuck, uh, he said that initially when he decided to go public with his story, there was mm -hmm. fear about how would people respond to this? I, I remember him saying right, that his son, you know, volunteered to basically scrub all his information from the internet in case things got yeah. really ugly. And, and I remember Chuck saying that he, he was pleasantly surprised in a way by how supportive people were and even diehard Michigan fans who, you know, hate this for the program yeah. are supportive of first and foremost, the, the survivors of this. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure there has probably behind the scenes been, been some ugliness at, at times, but I, I do get the sense, Nick, like you said, that overall, uh, even, you know, even people who are diehard Michigan fans are able to set that aside a little bit and say, hey, we, you know, we have to support these guys who wore yeah. our uniform, who played for our school, who represented our school and came away with this awful experience from it. Um, yeah, you know, I would hope mm -hmm. that, that those guys feel yeah. support uh, because, you know, because they deserve it. Yeah. They need it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and even going further on it, like one of the... Um, one of the most, I don't know, not fascinating isn't the right word, but you know, like something, one of the wrinkles here is the fact that, you know, two of the primary players um, in the current university athletic department structure, Ward Manuel yeah. and Jim Harbaugh are both pupils right. of Bo Schembechler who have lauded him part of, in, part of in the past. Right. And it's just like, okay, these guys are now in a really difficult position <laughs> of you know they probably still owe a lot in their minds to to both yeah but also have to be sensitive to what is going on right now and the former players the, these victims who who deserve that you know if they feel a certain way about this individual that that their voices have to be heard on it and when you're in the spot that those guys are th those guys being ward and and harbaugh like man and you've got a disciples blind spot yeah for the person at play, that's, man, I, I, that is complicated stuff. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, is it the University of Michigan or the University of Bow? And I mean, there like, those are the things you're going to have to cross. And I think that those guys know that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think people have, I think I was talking to somebody about this. You know, what would have happened if this had come out 15 years ago, 20 years ago? I wonder if we would have seen some of the sniping and some of the, you know, from, from, yeah. I, I'm not trying to accuse anyone or put any, any words in anyone's mouth, but it was just a different time. Yeah. 
And I wondered if we would have seen like pre Penn State. Yeah, like former players State, right. coming out and saying, I knew him. I knew Bo. He would never, you know, and Austin, you know this. We've talked to people who would tell you right now, today. Was it in the report? Well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there was. But like, I think there was a footnote in the report that was like, we interviewed a lot of people that said that if Bo Schembechler had yeah, ever never, been told yeah. this, he like, would have certainly acted on it. You're like, first of all, why is that there? Because and, and- that's their, like, that's their memory of him. And that's the best, you know, right. the, if they don't have any evidence. So, like, that's, you know, and you hear that sometimes with people too. It's like, I can't square that. I thought I knew him so well. And there was no way that that would happen. Right. And you hear so many people right. that will not even blink when they look at you in the eyes and say that. Right. So, who am I to question their memory of that too? Right. But I do wonder. You know, and I think time has changed. Uh, you know, I think people have become aware of a lot of these situations. And I think that's, you know, if nothing else, this report, like, you know, Austin noted in the story the other day, the recommendations moving forward and how to make sure that nothing ever like, you know, nothing like this ever happens again is really the one thing that if nothing else, like that has to be something that, you know, there has to be constant light on these like dark spots that these institutions like to just shroud because the minute you just ignore them all hell breaks loose every time like you can't just let this continue to happen and and it's not like you can say oh well this happened back then and that was you know a a product of the times well it's happened recently so you can't you know it was a different department it just wasn't Mm -hmm. athletics right Right. but so you can't say oh well now the systems are in place because are not right not enough yeah Yeah. i I mean you can't change the past and you can't you know ultimately you Michigan can't tell people how to remember Bo. People are going to remember Bo how they want right. to remember yeah, Bo. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's an important conversation to talk about Bo and his role in this because of what he represents at Michigan. Um, but like you guys were saying, I also think it's a conversation of going forward. Like when we look at these larger than life figures uh, that we cover every day, you know, mm. How do we how do we talk about these people? Because you know, I, it's just I feel like there should be something better than believing these people are gods, and then something yeah. like this comes out and like, oh no, actually he, he wasn't. He was a bad guy. Like, turns yeah, out yeah, there's right. got to be some right. you know a little bit more balance there um, to you know th- the way we talk about these people. Um, you know, to understand you know that they're not gods. They're not larger than life their coaches, their, you know, administrators, whoever they are, um, to be able to, uh, you know, think about them more critically while they're here, yeah. while they're right in front of us. While they're here. Yeah, right and not here. have to go back and do that retroactively and try to, like, rewire all the things we believe about these people after they're gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, kind of everyone is, I forget who, some, somebody a long time ago, uh when I was coming up in sports writing, <laughs> just remember everyone's three dimensional. There's no, there's not good guys and bad guys. They're not movie <laughs> characters. They're, you know, like everybody's both brother. Right. Everyone who <laughs> you're like, yeah, he's a good guy. That good guy. He probably did something fun. <laughs> right. At some point in his life that you would disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, so, all right. Do you agree that they have to, they got to do. They 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 can't go into next season without addressing the elements of statue, building name, things like that. This has to be dealt with one way or another. Whether you stick with it or whether you change it, you got to do something before next season. Am I wrong? I think I think you're right. I think uh, I think over the next you know, over the summer, 
Um, I think that we are yeah. going to get a sense for now what happens with this with this legal process. Is there a resolution, uh, or is or is it ongoing? Is it something that we're talking about potentially years of dragging out? And mm-hmm. you know, I I think that that will in some way determine what uh, what the steps forward are uh, for Michigan, um, because I I I do sense that. You know, when the report came out, there certainly was, um, you know, there certainly were people who, who at that time felt like, okay, like this is, you know, this confirms that there needs to be some type of, of public, um, you know, reckoning with this, whether it's right, taking yeah. the statue down, uh, renaming, you know, building this name for Don Canham, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's, I, right. you know, I think that that is a, a conversation that's going to have to happen in some way. Um, it's not something that's just going to disappear, you know? Yeah, I, I, I can, yeah, it'll have, they'll have that conversation. I'm sure they already have had starts of it. Be, they'll have to address it. I agree. But I agree with Austin, Brendan, to your point about, um, before next season, it's going to depend on the, it's going to depend on the, on the, on the legal process, I would think, because like, like we just said earlier, I mean, like, I don't think that we're at the bottom here. You know, I don't think we're at the end of knowing everything. It doesn't seem like it to me. Maybe if we are, then we are, but I don't know if, that's totally been established yeah. yet. So I would think that that's going to depend on the Yeah, because part of what you can't we'll do from Michigan's perspective is you can't have the appearance that you're just putting Band-Aids on things. And no, I think that that no. was a little bit of the fear with the Wilmer Hale report is like, is it going to look like Michigan is just trying to, you know, sort of wash its hands of this now that the report comes out? Uh, right. And I, you know, I don't get that sense. Um And so I think part of the, you know, part of the reason for letting it play out more is you almost, you know, you don't want to look like you're, you know, maybe preemptively, you know, trying to just do something to appease people. If, if the survivors mm-hmm. of, of Robert Anderson really haven't had a chance to feel for themselves some resolution. And exactly. like I was saying about John Vaughn, I don't think he's really ultimately motivated by the statue. I think he's motivated by other right. things. And so I think you want to really give some space um, to really understand and hear what, yeah. what it would look like for those people to feel some closure on this. Yeah, I think right now it still should be about them. Mm-hmm. And then the, mm-hmm. the Schimbeckler stuff would be a university decision that they make on their own, yeah. so, sort of separate from, I would think. So, yeah, the timing, I think, will be dependent on that. But, yeah, we never know what that stuff. We'll see how it all comes out. But at least that report's out, which, I mean, Austin said that. That was supposed to come out last fall, right? It's May. So, uh, yeah, things have dragged mm-hmm. a little bit, as they do. But interesting stuff. Brendan, you got anything else here today before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, I'll just be, I think you bring it up the USC uh, com- comparison, Austin, is is interesting. And I do, how long did that timeline play out? Gosh, I you don't know, know off, off the top of my head, but it's, I believe it's a fairly similar timeline to, to Michigan. Mm, yeah. That's what I thought. It seemed like they were kind of... Yeah, and it's similar in the sense that, you know, you've got sort of two processes where there's people who are part of a class action lawsuit and then there are people who have sued individually and you're trying to figure out a way to, you know, something to kind of, you know, to acknowledge both of those groups in a way that seems fair and it it gets gets really complicated. Right. Uh, Well, no, I have nothing else. Okay, we'll we'll write Uh, on on that. Let you you take us out. Austin, you have a local... uh, 
restaurant recommendation for folks? Any any place locally? You can go that, back uh, out. It's back uh, back in business uh, now. No, that's right. You're you're now a longtime resident of Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> you know the place I've been going to. There's that coffee shop right by the uh, right by the stadium. Uh, what's that place called? Oh is yeah, that, Trump Street. Uh, I felt bad for them because they're they're pretty new, right? And I'm sure they were banking on a lot of yeah. fans coming through on game day, and they didn't get That's that. That's a good point. But it's, it's a what's that called? I think it's like Drip House. Is that what's called? Drip House. That's right. Okay. I, I, I like that place. I could... That is a good point. Allison, our editor, Allison, brought that up. She felt bad for them, like immediately. She brought that up, like I remember her saying that immediately last year. She's like, "Oh man, that coffee shop just opened there." <laughs> so go to Drip House, everyone. That's the, that. Didn't that used to be like a tanning <laughs> I salon remember that. or something? Yeah, it was something weird, and they opened it maybe like two years ago. And you're right; it is across the street from the stadium. And I've I do see people congregating there now and again if I drive across town. So yeah, check that out. Good call. Yeah, I would have imagined when they bought that plot of yeah, took right. that plot they of land, they probably better plans for it. But <laughs> hopefully, they'll get there uh, in the long run. Yeah, and I saw uh, we had a, a shout out on Twitter that somebody uh, enjoyed uh, the side biscuit, which was a, a oh, place that's right down the street from my house. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. So I haven't been there yet. We'll have to go get wings and there lunch one day, because <laughs> I'm meaning to, biscuit, to yeah. try them out. But uh, we got a good review on uh, on Twitter. Someone said Perfect. that the uh, the recommendation went well. So uh, yeah, folks, make sure you're supporting your local restaurants. Make sure you are uh, being generous with gratuity and uh, tip those bartenders, tip those servers.